0: What, do they think we got three Rod Brandamores, or what?
1: I think I started lifting real light weights when I was like 12.
0: You are now listening to The Rod the Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Betts and Mike Men.
1: All right, Mike, it's good to be back behind the mics again tonight after a you know, pretty torrid July. Uh, a lot of news, a lot of action going on this offseason. Took a little break last week. Hasn't been a, a ton to report, but... There is some news we got some, uh, you know, things to go overnight, maybe Galaxy Brain a few things. Uh, but first, how are you doing? Not
0: bad, you know, just busy trying to get myself into some sort of shape right now. So, spending a what lot, are you, of time. Rod Brendamore, uh, <laughs> I would say one tenth, one tenth, Rod Brendamore. Hey, I'll take that, nine tenths, Mike Commodore,
1: <laughs> <laughs> one tenth, Rod Brendamore, nine tenths face moisturizing skin routine <laughs> yeah, you gotta uh, look to do good it. you gotta um, look good but the the big news uh in Kane's land or should i say Kane's twitter uh the past week was the agreement with ethan bear on a one-year 2.2 million dollar deal uh initial thoughts what are you thinking why how are you feeling
0: yeah, I mean, you avoid arbitration as we've talked about before. Canes don't actually like getting to arbitration, so that deal got done. I think it shows that management and Rod still believe that there's something there. I don't think you sign somebody to do a two by two or $2.2 million deal just for the sake of doing it. Um, I don't think you just sign him to flip him on that deal either. So I think he's got to have a legitimate shot at crack in the lineup next year with that being said they could trade him next week because I've right. said that now but um
1: yeah I mean that's one of the benefits of signing him before to going to Arb is that yeah, you, absolutely you know now you have the flexibility to move him still candidly I think the number at 2.2 uh, is a little higher than I anticipated it's not that it's a super incredible amount of money for a bottom pairing defenseman but uh, it's not insignificant and it, it kind of puts that you know, wedge uh, even tighter on what you have remaining in the salary cap. Kane sitting right now, right around 1.8 million dollars remaining, which is obviously not enough to sign uh, Martin Natchez. But um, focusing on Bear uh, for the moment. You know, we're sitting here, you got Gardner, Coglin, Chatfield, and Bear, kind of making up those final, uh, competing for those final two uh, starting lineup spots on the bottom pairing. You know, four of those or three of those guys are right shots uh, with the outlier being Gardner. Um, it almost feels like Gardner has to move at this point unless there's some sort of downstream trade of nature. So I, and Ethan Bear, you know, how much did COVID impact the performance? I thought he was pretty um, up and down throughout the year, even before getting COVID and never got back afterwards. Yeah. Um, you know i i think still a little bit more promise than production um but this is a guy you can kind of move up and down your d pairings and maybe um the season was derailed by covid and and i'm underestimating but my initial thought is and i've said it throughout the whole time i i really don't care if it's him coglin or chatfield and uh, candidly if it's just based on last year i'd rather have chatfield but don't know a ton about coglin we'll see yeah um I think I mean yeah, it's it's a it's a low risk
0: move. Low risk, low risk for sure. Um, If he can get to some level of play that we saw during that 20 games, we kind of referenced where he had a really solid set of games during the season. If he can play somewhere near that level. And bring a little bit of offensive flair out of the back end. Maybe get a little bit of his confidence back. I do think that there's a possibility it works out, and if it doesn't, you're not you're not tied. So I like the bet. I think it's also interesting. Um, deeper down in the in the chat, I should say, is you have Lejoie who's going to arbitration. Yeah, good call. See if maybe a deal gets done before arbitration because I think that could be your sneaky roster move right there is having him as potentially being your left side third-pairing defenseman if we're able to move that Gardner contract. And if that's the case, I i mean, he reminds me a little bit of Forsling in the sense that we let Forsling go, and now Forsling is an NHL regular with the Florida Panthers like pretty much right after Um right after the Canes had essentially moved on from him, I could see Lejeune being very similar in that regard. I think he has the the NHL game, whether it's as a 6 or a 7, I'm not sure. But I, th- I think he's there. So I think there's options on the left side, and we obviously have a plethora of options on the right side.
1: Yeah, but I, I think that's another great name to bring up because let's just for the time being assume Gardner is here just for the math purposes on this. You know, that gives you, what, five guys that can mix in in your bottom pairing. I mean, that's, you know, some of these guys are going to end up the minors just because they're going to need minutes. But uh, you feel pretty good about the organizational depth there and the fact that, you know, someone's going to be able to produce and it's kind of whoever's playing the most is going to get the minutes. And if not, you might get scratched. It's rotation. It's it's motivating. It's competitive. It's the kind of things that, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes under Rod Brindamore have really been built on. Um, it's just kind of how he views the world and views the game, and so I, I think that competition is great. Sands Gardner, I, I don't think that really changes a whole lot. I don't think just because Lejeune is uh, left-handed, he's guaranteed that role. But just those four of those guys could be rotating in those bottom two or in that bottom pairing. Uh, regardless, it's a good place to be. Um, is it a downgrade in that bottom pairing? Yeah, but as we've kind of focused on more and more. Since the onset of this podcast, when it really gets down to the type of hockey that matters, playoff hockey, um, you just got it's your top two D pairings. It's the top four that really um, is going to determine things. And obviously you need the star power. So this team has more uh, star punch than maybe it's it's ever had. I'm excited to watch that.
0: I would agree. Yeah.
1: Okay, so other news recently that has impact. (coughs) Excuse me. This team, Nino Niederreiter, signs a two-year deal in Nashville at a, a very palatable uh, $4 million per. It's a deal that I, I know we were beating the jump on. There There was no way, contrary to the rumors, that he was getting six. I, I thought five was crazy, and ultimately it settles in a very comfortable range. I think the response online has is, is definitely been, well, geez, couldn't they have signed this deal? And I think... I don't want to speak for you, but I think we'd both agree that at this price point, we would have liked it a lot. Uh, agree? Disagree? Agree. Um, I think it's funny because <laughs> based on what
0: we had talked about on previous episodes and the conversations we had had, we were totally shocked by the long-term five plus, six plus million dollar deals that were floating around as suggestions for Nino Niederrider.
1: From credible sources. From
0: credible sources. And uh, I... I, like, we love the player, right? Like, he's great for the team. Just didn't see where that would be on the market. It made no sense. And I strongly believe that if Nino had wanted two years and $4 million a year, that he would have been a hurricane way before we even got to free agency. Um, his agent thought it was the best move to go shop. Um, I think he probably could have got more than $4 million for two years with the Hurricanes. Agent made the wrong call. Um, It's unfortunate, I think, for all the parties involved except for the Nashville Predators because they got a guy that can help you make a playoff push and they only are locked up for two years.
1: Right. That is a low-risk, high-upside move. And they're building something um, a little more exciting than they've been uh, maybe since, like, what, the Cup run in 2017 and then the President's Trophy right after that. Um, Like when Southern hockey excels. So wish him all the best. Um, But, yeah, that just... You'd Love to have him here, and at that price point, uh, they definitely could have done it. But hey, we, we're kind of talking about both sides of our mouth because it's a guy that we're also like, hey, he's only a third pair or third line guy here. We'll, we'll be okay, you, you have more juice, as I said earlier. Um, I really like what this team is looking like. I think the really the last remaining thing that uh, is kind of pertinent is the ongoing uh discussions with uh, with Nachos, and like I mentioned with only $1.8 million in cap space remaining, uh, that's not going to get it done. So what are you thinking? Do you want to talk how Natchez was the centerpiece of a potential move recently uh, in the Kachuk trade, which ultimately was consummated between Calgary and Florida, and how he kind of fits within something that actually another move that may occur? Or do you want to talk about it from a, you know, is Gardner going to get bought out? The floor is yours. Yeah,
0: um, it's... a. Interesting topic, because I really feel like the writing is on the wall for him at this point. I'm not sure that the, the management team is really trying to posture anymore. Originally, when when we were hearing his name floating around, you thought maybe it was to give a little oomph to the agent and to Natchez, to be like, dude, we're serious, like we're ready to move forward, like it's here or you're gone kind of thing. And yeah, you're starting to see a little more consistency. And we had seen a little bit of his name at the end of last season. And we see him all off season at this point. And it's starting to become a, even if he does return, is he going to be with the Canes for a long time? Because obviously really good play can change things. Um, Maybe he gets to be the two seed. Maybe he beats KK out for that. Um, Maybe he's happy and then he's happy in Carolina, but the writing really seems to be on the wall I think something that we haven't really talked about too much is that for Natchez. I remember when he was in the AHL He got really upset because he didn't feel like he was getting enough feedback from the NHL staff and now all of a sudden you've come to the end of your rookie contract and you're talking about wanting to play center again at the end of the season, and that conversation, uh, from what it sounded like, hadn't come up before. It's just been a very weird scenario where I feel like there's just such a disconnect, and that's not... I mean, especially with Rod. Rod is the player's coach and is known to interact well with his players, and there seems to be this disconnect, and you're beginning to wonder if the long-term route for this is going to be a trade no matter what, whether it's this off-season, whether it's an offer sheet, which could still happen, whether it's down the road, or whether they think it's a relationship that can be mended or not. It's, it's a very – I don't think we've had a player like this with negotiations like this with kind of the aura around it before. Yeah, that I can de- recall. definitely
1: not uh, under the Dundon regime. And I think it's a really excellent point you just made about um, the relationship component of this entire dynamic. And I, I want him here. I, I really do. I think this is a guy even more so than um, players that we've seen leave and succeed elsewhere that could really flourish given the opportunity. Um, I really – hey KK's deal, I think, is going to age really nicely. But if you ask me who I'd rather have on my hockey team, I, I think Natchez is a more talented, skilled player. Um, you know, he was never going to sign in eight times for whatever. Um, so for next year, the way this team is built, um, KK is kind of the fulcrum to me if this is going to be a cup contending slash winning type team or... You're gonna need center help, and I'm not saying Natius is the answer as your your two C, but if they are able to bring him back in the fold, I, I'd like to see him given that opportunity. But yeah, from a, a relationship standpoint, it just feels like the bridge is kind of burnt. He, they not that they've done anything wrong; they've done everything within the constraints of the rules as you highlighted, but it just feels like you have a disenfranchised player agent, you know, disgruntled um, who doesn't feel welcome. I mean, if it cost you know, moving out Gardner or Martinuk. I think they'd already have done it at this point. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. So um, obviously he was rumored in that Kachuk deal. I'm not sure if there's a deal of that caliber out there. And that would also require them moving a lot more money around, you know? So as we always joke, they play 3d chess. I I, I just, Hey, I feel like we've ridden the rollercoaster here and this is what I'll close on. It's, Early in the offseason, trade him, get the upgrades, blah, blah, Motions cooled down after the loss. It was like, okay, we, they really need to find out how to keep him. Now I'm getting to the point where it's like, I just, maybe it's better for both sides to to go back the other way. And, you know, like I said, that, that's what the caveat I want him here. I just, I don't think it's uh, salvageable right now.
0: Yeah, it's just, it reminds me a little bit of like, Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannifin. The only difference is, and the reason they're not as comparable for me is that that was when the team was bad. Those guys didn't like Raleigh. Raleigh has changed over the years sure. since organization, then. different reputation, Organi- everything has also, changed. Also,
1: those guys weren't brought in under this regime. Those were no, not their sure. draft yeah. picks, and so there was no allegiance really. Yeah, for sure. And
0: but for him, it's. As long as Natchez has been playing on the roster, they've been a playoff team. Um, he's got a, one of the best coaches in the NHL. Every Everybody seems to love him and appreciate him, regardless of if they're the ones getting in the lineup. Um, you look at a guy like Dezingle, and the guy didn't. It didn't work out for him, but hey, he's I, back, baby. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> but they didn't have a, they didn't have a, he didn't have a bad thing to say, and I think that's yeah. a really that's says a lot about Rod. And you just wonder like, what it is for Natus? Is he more a little bit more of a diva that needs a little different touch? What it like? Does that fit into yeah. the culture you're trying? L- yeah, to Yeah,
1: let's build? talk about that. I, I think that's a really good way to view it because, to me there is a little bit of diva tendency from the outside looking in, you know? I, yeah. This is speculation, specula- speculation. We, we know nothing about him personally. We hear from not her neighbors. We are just, this is the galaxy breaking time. Um, if I am nature's throughout my career, you know, obviously I'm very, you took me in the first round. Thank you for taking a chance on me. Um, they, they stick him in the league. They send him down after, before he hits the maximum number of games. So the contract doesn't toll. So he's not eligible for the expansion draft organizationally. That all makes sense. Comes up, gets his first full year, plays pretty well. The second full year is the one where he breaks out. Last offseason, everyone's super excited. Got a little Jarvisy vibes. Maybe not to that degree, but similar feel. Um, so things are trending in the right direction. And then you get to this year. And the team offers sheets KK, who's probably the biggest comparable on the roster from like a also a first-round pick. Um, Jarvis probably is the better comp, but for where we were talking about balance within your hierarchy of the lineup. And the rod Brendamore system is built on it's it's a meritocracy. it's you get what you earn. and I think a lot of players maybe felt, and I know you hear pundits in this area and out el- elsewhere feeling like that guy maybe didn't deserve the role he got. And the contract he got, and it's all a wager on the future. If I'm native, as appreciative I am for you to draft me and give me an opportunity, all that stuff. You handed this guy all these things, things that I want, things that I've produced way better than this guy. And so, like, show show me some love, show me some value you lose a little credibility in the locker room, not just natures but the message of Rod as a whole about it being a meritocracy when something like KK happens. And so they need to get that back. And I understand right or wrong, Natchez feeling a little bit spurned. It's easy to play the woe is me game. And we all do that when we struggle. And I think we got a lot of these convalescing factors going on right now. Um, yeah, a little galaxy brain dump.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying and it, it is interesting and I I get the point you're making about KK and all it's just I'm I'm assuming there's no shot in the world that his camp Natchez's camp is interested in an eight-year deal I'd be shocked yeah, so if there are oh, no chance right now yeah I would be shocked if they were interested in anything outside of a two-year bridge because they're looking to max they think that he has the opportunity to become a legitimate top six if not first-line producer, and well, they don't want to lock in. if you're his in.
1: camp last off season yeah, and the team starts coming at you tentatively talking extension, they team always wants eight. I mean, that's a Carolina thing to do. We get our young pairs. We extend as much as we can on below market value. I mean, if they offered him the KK deal, they they laugh at it. There, there's no way they were accepting anything. And at that point in my mind, that the first digit didn't start with the six. Plus, I mean, there was no way. A year later, that sounds a little silly, but it's their his their job to represent Natus and get max value. Now we sit at a point where there's only 1.8 remaining. Something's got to give, right? Yeah, and I, uh, it's
0: it's unfortunate. I mean, and the way you look at how the roster is constructed, and I know that. The KK signing was the writing on the wall for Trochek. I don't think that you look at the deal that he signed in New York, and I think that one's going to age poorly. I love Trochek, love what he did for the team. All great, seven years at that age with the injury history as a second-line center when you have to re heedle. and I don't know I'm going a little bit off topic, but Crazy. And the writing was on the wall for Trochek. And I'm wondering if Natchez looked at it the same way and said, I want to be the two C behind Aho. But he never like that's the thing. Like, if you'd never asked for it, you never or, or
1: maybe he has. And from the if, yeah. if you're going, well, hey, team was at a totally different point in its development curve and its competition window. But if you're Natchez, you're like, Well, look at the route you went with Aho. You know, he started on the wing like I had. He produced. You gave him an opportunity at center. We're similar players in the fact that we're highly skilled, great skaters, all those things. Now, Aho's obviously many echelons above. But if you're natious an and uh, you're a competitive guy and you have a high opinion of yourself, you're going, give me that opportunity to be on that development track. Let me show you I can do it. And then all of a sudden, okay, writing's on the wall. I'm not going to get that opportunity. There's no chance. There's just no chance.
0: Not and unless so you fight for it. And I think that's what it comes down to is a guy like Aho, if he had been put at fourth line center, and that was like where, hey, you're gonna get your training wheels, like right. you're gonna earn like a guy like Aho, his his compete level, his battle, his desire, all those things outweigh any sense of um feeling that he's should like entitlement. entitlement. Yeah, yeah. Entitlement. Like any anything like that. And then you look at all these other guys and like even a guy like a proud guy like KK. Things didn't go well in Montreal. He signs this deal here. Even in his presser postseason, he talked about, I'd like more opportunity. I will take what Rod gives me, but I, I think I'm ready for more opportunity. Like He put his head down. He played a lot of fourth line minutes for the opportunity to play center and had to really work for it. Probably played with line mates that couldn't play on the same level as him necessarily. And then, and then it's, and then you look at Natchez and it's been an, like, oh woe is me, I didn't get the opportunities I wanted, and it's, and I've I've played for coaches like Rod in the sense that it's like. Don't come up and whine at me. Go show me. Right. Go show me. Force my hand. Go show me. And like, and then he got in his head in a contract year. And we saw that a little so, bit with
1: Svetch the year before. Like it, it, it happens. You play to especially these young guys, young guys on competitive teams. You know, teams yeah. that have winning expectations, but you're also playing for a contract. I, I get that. The, there are all the excuses in the world, and you can justify the the dip in performance twelve times as many as you want. I mean, it's just, but at the end of the day, I mean, it, it comes back to producing and I think he has the ability to do that here. And when I look at this lineup and I really like it, if he's in it though, man, that, that is nine, that, that top, those top three lines are really good. And then you got a guy like Casa that can play up and then Drury's already shown you he can intermittently produce here. I mean, there is depth. It is exciting. Yeah. It's fast and he he Nate just does stress you in different ways that, you know, some of the guys on the team can't. And yeah. um if there was just a little bit more finish, if there was a little bit more grit, a little bit of something else. If he could play a
0: little bit more like Vincent Trocheck. A little bit more like Vincent he's, got a, he's got it. He's got all the tools to play like a Vincent Trocheck, but you have to have the willingness to right. battle on every single shift, and that's been a knock on him. He doesn't if, have it.
1: Hey, this is a very pro Trocheck pod. Um, loved the trade when it happened. Hate to see him go. We, we would love to have kept him. He was the one we wanted over. Nino. lo and behold, we got neither. Whatever. But if Natchez, in his ability, in his frame, and his skill level, played like Vincent Trocek, he would be a number two center in the NHL without question. Easily. Like <laughs> he's got everything you would want. He just lacks that a little bit of edge and compete. He's he plays a little bit too European. Yeah, step. he wants to be with the space. Skill. Yeah,
0: he wants to be the skill player that makes a nice pass that that dances with the puck. And that's and all those things work. You can do those things as well. But you also have to embrace the physical side of the game. You also have to be willing to get to the tough areas. You also have to realize this might not be the right time to carry the puck.
1: And that's the difference in the developmental curve between him and an Ajo and a Turbo. Guys that are...
0: Even a Jarvis at this point.
1: Right. Like, very similar as far as, like, you look at them, they would typically be more finesse, pass-first guys that like to live in space, but they've all adjusted their games to succeed and succeed when, you know, the game is the toughest in the play. I mean, Turbo is a cup. Ajo is one of the better players uh, at his position in the league. Seth Jarvis was maybe the best player on the team in the postseason as a rookie. Like, these are guys that are willing to go to the hard areas and play the game the right way. Natchez is equally as skilled as maybe any of them. He's on that level, even if, you know, you can debate it. He's missing the it. And if he doesn't embrace that, even if he's back here, he'll be gone the next year. Like, there's enough interest in him around the league that they'll move him at the deadline or that they'll get something for him. If he doesn't come here and embrace the opportunity to compete and I'm sure he'll do great because he'll be thrust in, have more opportunity, less pressure. Great. But if he wants to come here and compete for or stay here and compete for a cup, um, you know, this is a guy that we view as a core asset to this team. Is he going to take that step? Is he going to embrace playing the way he needs to and lose this, um, perceived symbols of entitlement?
0: Yeah, Well, only time will tell. I mean, it's curious. I was just thinking a little bit as well. And you think about what are the options to move out. You're not going to move out Gardner and Martin Nook. Gardner is going to cost you to move out just based on how the offseason's gone and how other moves have gone.
1: I tell you what, you've had a really good offseason on your predictions. I think your only big miss is saying, Gardner would be easy to move. Ah, uh,
0: yeah, I totally <laughs> misread the the cap hell that was going on around the league, and I just I've never seen it be so hard to move a contract. But especially everyone, defensemen, everyone's become so conscious of that. What what really puzzled me is that you're telling me that there's not somebody out there that needs a bottom pairing defenseman who's on one year left on his like. Sure, we'll sweeten the pot for you a little bit and throw you in a late round yeah, pick. Yeah,
1: historically, that would be a no brainer. And, and you look even, okay. But they these, know they got you. Right. Of they course. So you got, got to you. give a little something. But you look back at last offseason, the contracts that were handed out to Demon, you know, Seth Jones, et cetera. Et cetera like big money to defensemen, like outrageous contracts. And what that this, do? And then this offseason, the, the biggest defenseman name on the market. ends up settling for a $1 million deal probably below... Seven seven by one. one, Yeah, Yeah. seven by one. uh, Below probably what he thought his market would be for a long-term deal. And it's just, it's crazy it changed so quick. And maybe they realized the error of the ways because, and I I heard this point on 32 Thoughts, and it makes a lot of sense. Typically, the first things to get moved are wingers, you know, Wingers with a little scoring juice, whatever. Yeah. Like, and they were talking about in context of, of patches and how Carolina basically got them for free because just moving that money is it's hard for teams to build winners, devoting so much to high price wingers. But defensemen, that's not typically been the case, especially a guy that does have a little offensive juice like Jake Gardner. Um, I didn't mean to bust your balls, but oh, you, no, you've been man, really good I'm, this offseason. That was that was the one.
0: I missed that one for sure. And yeah. I mean, it is what it is because in lieu of that, like would you rather have been able to easily get rid of Gardner and not get patch ready or vice versa? Like you'd oh, rather get... I like get, what we have now, yeah. You'd yeah. rather get patch So it worked out in the Canes' favor, sure. ultimately. Um, but we'll see where things shake out because the way I look at it is like you maybe move a Martinook and then you have about 3.6 available for Natchez or you move out a Gardner and you have close to six.
1: You know, he's... That three point eight is probably still a little lower than he would want, but it's if close enough for, for one bridge, year. If you're yeah, taking one a
0: bridge, year. you're under you're under four million for sure. You're probably under three, I think. A, and
1: I'm thinking this bridge is just a one, a one year at this point. If it's at that price point, it's definitely one. If they can move Gardner and there's a little bit more money available, maybe it's two. Um, like I said, I I, I want nature's here, but. It's, I'm having a hard time envisioning how this looks, and and I, that's why I kind of wanted to joke, you know, banter around, let's talk the Florida trade a little bit with Calgary, uh, just because are there any options around the league? You know, there's definitely not a player of that caliber, uh, Mackachuk's caliber that, you know, I think are on the market as available. Um, but those are the types of guys it seems like, they're swinging for with Natchez. And I thought that was a, a positive move. And hey, we don't have a Jonathan Huberto to, to tack on. Sure. Um, and that's why Florida came in at last moment and jumped Carolina. But I think it shows Natchez's value around the league that he could have been the centerpiece around a potential deal. Um, and that is a good sign to me because one, it shows the team is not going to sell him low Two. um, means hey they they do want him here in a way like if that's the type of player you're shopping him for you're not giving away you want him to be here he's part of your core you view him as a core asset Um, but it shows the team is continuing to swing for the fences which I absolutely adore
0: yeah no I I love that too I think you're setting the market for natures as well saying don't call us with your crap offers like this is the type of return we're looking for we're looking for a real roster player that's gonna that's going to help us now. Impact player, yep. And, I mean, you look at that, and I still – I don't know if they're looking to add like this because it would require, obviously, more cap movement and retain salary, but I still think you could see a Tarasenko. I mean, his name has been floating around in trade rumors. He has interest in Carolina. And, I mean, if that is what you get at, all of a sudden you your power play looks way different because you've already added Eddy and Burns. And if you can add a Tarasenko, whether it's somebody's gonna be on the third, on the second unit, all of a sudden now, like you look at these Both little units things, are really good. and there's there's the possibility that these things could happen still. I mean, between if you were able to move Natchez and Martinook and have St. Louis retain half of the remainder of Tarasenko's contract, boom, you're done. Done. You're done. And like, and then you play Kasha on the fourth. And then you have Tarasenko, and then and then you can jump guys around on the wings. Right. And then all of a sudden, like if Jarvis gets into a little bit of a rookie slump, it's like, dude, no big deal. Yeah, I mean, he,
1: he, second year slump wouldn't be crazy. Go like, find
0: your game on the third line, playing with Jordan Stahl, who's going to do everything to make your life easier. Like it's there's scenarios like that, and that's why we can't really assess the roster too much yet because i still think they have there, there's something else
1: yeah, yeah. even if that something else is finding a way to keep nature there, there is another domino to fall this is not the final product that we will be talking about you know six weeks from now um i just think it's it's gonna be interesting and um as has been the theme of this offseason as much as last offseason was doubt and uncertainty and frustration and the too many moving parts This year, I think we believe they've built up enough cachet and credibility, and they clearly showed that in their early moves this offseason. Really love the direction of the team. And, hey, they are building to win. They're pushing the chips uh, to the center of the table, but they're not done. And so we we got a a lot to follow here over the next couple weeks.
0: One last thing that I would point out, and I think it's a discussion point for us, is that the reputation that Kane's management is starting to build when it comes to negotiations. I think that their first offer they make is pretty close to what they'll finalize at and what they think is fair. I think they play that game where it's like, this is what we're offering. We're done. And they've showed time and time again, like you can come back to the well, but we're not, there's, we're not filling up your cup more. Like this is your cup. You can drink from it if you want, or you can leave it. And I think you saw that with Nino, and I think you maybe even saw that with a Klingberg. Klingberg, from what was reported, um, was had three, four, five year deal in place that Carolina offered him. Like they've shown that, like we'll give you a number, but we're not gonna. F- the bit against not here. So when, so my my the point that I'm trying to get at is. In the future, is that going to speed up negotiations with UFA, Sebastian Ajo? Is that going to speed up negotiations with a Jarvis? Because these guys know that when you get something from management, that there's not a whole lot of wiggle room on that. Is that going to benefit the team to the point where they're either going to find out sooner or later if it's going to work or not? Or do you think it's going to push players away because... Mm. It's upsetting that they're not willing to negotiate. Well,
1: I'm I'm just gonna hold out hope that since this will be Ajo's team's sec or representation's second time uh, argue or negotiating with the team, that they'll have that, you know, rapport and understanding. Um, to me that's such a big picture notion and um gosh, I, I don't even know where to begin. But I what I will say is interesting to me is um, I just love watching how the perception of this front office around the league has completely done a 180. You know, these same negotiations that, you know, pundits from Canada, across the country, even locally, you know, this front office organization, the uh, Dundon Waddell team, they do things unorthodox. It's the wrong way. Blah, 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 blah. It'll never work. Well, well, now that they've you know made the playoffs four straight years, won the division twice in a row, and are continually contending and have the same core, and they've done a great job of signing contracts and not signing bad deals, now their reputation is like, that front office does things the right way. Tolsky, Waddell, all those guys know exactly what they're doing. You, you appreciate the fact that they have their price point, they stick to it, and if you don't take it, they'll replace you some other way in non-traditional ways. and they've had a ton of success and now it's funny to even see like they don't like to admit it but even Canadian media is like that Carolina team is like that front office knows exactly what they're doing and um, so in the future when it comes to Aho, you know Aho's deal Slavin Pesci all these guys coming up in two years Turbo Um, I think you're probably ultimately my, my prediction you're going to see a mix you might see some guys that Hey, I've been underpaid. My market value is above this. I, I want to explore the market. Um, I think you'll have others going. I understand this is how this works, and I'm here for it. I want to be here. I love Raleigh. Um, we'll see. I, I think as a, with all things in this team, it it it's kind of difficult to predict. Yeah, we do our best though.
0: Yeah, it's. I think it's just an interesting thing to track. I mean, they're obviously creating a reputation that negotiations aren't going to be this back and forth. There's not going to be a lot of give. I think that gives them more power because if you're starting up a conversation, you're not that flexible GM that might cave in at the last minute and throw an extra half a mil or a mil or an extra year or a no trade clause. Like that's not Or the in manage- trade
1: discussions, extra picks, yeah. extra assets. They seem to win all their trades. Like it's just unbelievable. And another thing about their reputation, a Brent Burns agreeing to waive his no trade to come to Carolina would be such a foreign concept five plus years ago. It wouldn't have happened. One, yeah. they they weren't competitive, but even if they were competitive, the reputation of the team is just so in the gutter, it wouldn't even be an option. So yeah. um, everything on a positive trend, um, stars want to be here. The core of guys really enjoys Raleigh. They've embraced it. I think that is so crucial to the longevity of this team. Yeah.
0: Imagine that. Challenging the archaic status quo of NHL front offices would work out. Would work out. And Who would hey, have known? Are they
1: ever going to get the ultimate payoff? Will they ever lift the cup? I don't know, but I, I feel very confident that this team is going to remain competitive. It's just as long as you keep Tolsky and the structure of the office right or front office right now, I think you're going to be really good and. uh Core is still very young. People underestimate that. It's still one of the younger cores in the league. Um, we got some exciting times coming up. Uh, can't wait for October and for games to get going.
0: Likewise, it's it's going to be here before we know it. We've well, all got busy schedules. preseason. Ske- Let's go! I mean yeah. September. Yeah, we all got we all got busy schedules. So next thing you know, we'll be at games again, and that's exciting. Anything else? Uh, I think that's it for this week.
1: All right, y'all. Thank you for joining us a little quicker uh, this time around, but uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Have a great week.